Hello, welcome. This is Andrew Camphy, uh, the editor of Influence Weekly. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, trying to do more of this sort of reaction and commentary and analysis and critique of reports that come across uh, my inbox and that I share with you. Um, Influence Weekly isn't meant just to be a place for you to sort of read what I'm reading. It really is a meant to analyze and uh, discover opportunities within these reports. So I'm walking through this report. I do not know how long this is going to take. I'm estimating between 8 to 12 minutes, but it could be longer if we get into some like really deep analysis or or rambling thoughts, whichever one. Um, Do want to make a note that if you are listening to this and you have not read the report yet, I do give you some of the key takeaways, but I don't think that this is really a um, fill in for, for not reading it yourself. I, I, or like, I think you should read this for yourself and come up with your own um, ideas around it. I absolutely take a very data informed critique of this, by the way. So, so I have a huge bias towards figuring out like, is, is the analysis correct? And is there something that they're missing sort of reasons why things are happening? Um, and I do treat um, the the writers of this with great respect and, and admiration. It is very difficult to put together um, reports like this, massive reports, like a 50-page report with five chapters where they really go over a lot of stuff. They go over the qual- how quality outperforms quantity on the Instagram grid. They cover impact of hashtags on engagement. Um, they cover the understanding of best times to post worldwide. Um, and they also figure out like what's differences between nano, micro, and macro influencers. And then they also talk about the globalization of influence marketing. A lot of what I'm going to be discussing is sort of taking a couple of their um, charts looking deeper into it and, and seeing if, if there's some results or takeaways that I have that are very different or in addition to what they have. So um, each chapter I'm going to go through and, and, and sort of read to you. And I also recommend getting this report, getting in, in the PDF yourself, because um, I'm not reproducing these graphs for you. I'm talking through them. I'm looking at them. I see everything about it, but you're not looking at it. I highly recommend like looking at these and, and, and discovering them for yourselves too. Um, I do want to, um, again, really, really say that I really enjoyed reading this, even though I disagree with half of it. Um, and, and I'll tell you why I disagree, because a lot of the takeaway, or not a lot, a couple of the takeaways they have, like, I don't think they saw their own graph, or maybe maybe the graph's wrong. So I'm giving them a lot of benefit of the doubt, but I'm also, like, taking them to task for um, very simple sort of um, analysis that they could have done to say, like, hey, this is why this is happening. They don't really go too, too, too deep. They sort of read things as they are. I'm going to go a little bit deeper, and I understand that maybe that's not their point, Um but uh, I, I'm going to have a little fun with it, too, and I hope uh, this comes off as very, very, very interesting instead of just sort of lashing out at them. Um, chapter number one says influencers are posting to the grid less frequently, and so they have this chart that shows each year from 2016 to now and a projection of 2020 uh, the number of Instagram feed posts per week. So first off, this is a average which I don't really like averages. What I do like is ranges 
or um, um, yeah, not, averages sort of suck because average tells you just the the mean. It doesn't really tell you the median. Um, those are two very different statistics, um, and it's a global one. So so right off the bat. Um, their projection shows that the number of Instagram feed posts per week go down, even though 2018 and 2019 held steady at 2.7. The high was 3.3 posts per week uh, in 2016. Um, and they don't really mention it. Uh, but absolutely the reason is that Instagram stories is is, is absolutely taking over uh, people's attention and time to create uh, the amount of time they're taking to create stories that's where the why the posts are less frequent so so right off the bat i think their analysis that like qual quality trumps um quantity is a little weird here when really the amount of time we're spending on instagram is increasing the amount of content that's created on instagram is increasing yet the yeah the feed posts are going down um a very the next graph shows the number of followers on the bottom and then the average posts per week as by followers and it definitely shows that people who have less than 50 25 or 50,000 followers they have they only they're only posting like between 2 and 4 to 5 times per week and then those with 250k to 500k are posting overs Oh, actually, sorry, in 2016, they were posting over seven times per week. Jump to 2020 or 2019 even, and all of these numbers are down. So they show little, so they have an interesting little ch chart inside of charts where you can see uh, no matter what size of influencer you are, your um, posting has gone down from zero, 25K, 50K, all the way up to a million plus. What I see though, is that um, the, the one of the problems with this kind of graph is that very frequently the, peop the people making these use a follower count to equal life cycle, meaning like showing that like someone who's 50K followers now will eventually be 250K, but in actuality, those are two very different people. And this is a snapshot. I would like to see the way you could sort of determine if somebody, the amount of times they're posting is a leading or trailing indicator is to see in rate each individual person as they go, as they, as they actually gain followers. Most people are not actually like gaining followers very often. Um, on average, actually, people are losing followers. The, the, the reason why we have so many bigger influencers, A, new people are coming to the platform, and there's a small amount of people. That, the people we know are the ones rising. Those are the celebrities. Those are the trending ones because their graphs are going up and to the right. But most people are losing followers on Instagram. So the life cycle of someone is not really their follower count. Um, and for some reason, they projected that mid-tier influencers are going to be increasing their posting frequency. I don't understand how they got that because over the last two years, it's held steady. And it's the same graph for all of them. It's very unclear where they're getting this info from. Um, 
they do have some interesting tips here. Um, they say influencer marketing tips. They say influencers will become more selective in what they post to their grid. So pay attention to their aesthetic content topics and style before pitching to work with them. Um, this is sort of a, a, a dirty thing that I'm about to say, but like people will still post to their feed, even if they're posting less frequently. And like, they're not dropping so, so much. Like what's interesting is that for businesses, five days a week is every day. Every day is five days a week. That's the average. And for creators, it should be seven days a week or seven posts per week. Yet the feed posts even in 2016 sort of maxed out around seven. But we're, what we're really seeing across the board now is there's still around four or five. Um, that's essentially then every day. Um, five days a week, Monday through Friday, because like we, we post when we get feedback, uh, a lot of their, um, content will probably get less likes on the weekends. Um, and so influencers are sort of smarter about that. And that's probably why they're not posting on their feed more than four or five times per week. Um, not necessarily that, that, that difference, even seven to five doesn't make it a huge difference on their, on their, what they're being selective of. Um, they'll still post on their feed. And also I know a lot of influencers and creators are now adopting the idea that the, 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 the strategy that you can delete feed posts. Um, so I would like to see sort of like the underlying data here. Like, are you looking past sort of past years or like past 30 days or are you looking day to day at their posting schedule because this might be a small percentage of people but it might have a huge impact on averages where somebody is actually posting two times a day and then deleting one post per one to four posts per week so that their total overall number of posts look like it's like four to five a week um so that would be interesting. That's, again, a little bit of a critique, but like really interesting data here. Um, here's uh, influencers. This is number two. Influencers are crafting longer captions. This is um, talking about how literally uh, from 2016, it was on average 142 characters per caption. Now it's uh, 336, projected to be over 400 characters, which is around 65 to 70 words. Um, this is a straight linear line up and to the right. Every single year, uh, the number of characters has gone up. There is a small little thing that I would mention is that over 2018 to 2019, there's a smaller decrease, smaller percentage decrease than 2017 to 2018. So that I see this like sort of logarithmically coming to a head. So I don't actually, I would not, from this data, I wouldn't project it to go over 400. But here's where I think they missed out on, on a reason why this actually what has increased is that over the last four years, there has been an increase of hashtags. People are getting smarter to the idea that you can include 20 to 30 hashtags. And because we're now five to 10 years into this, Hashtags are getting more unique because you need to like say your new thing. The words you use already were like hashtag love has already existed. So you need to say hashtag love this life or something like that. So the literally this is like a weird thing, but literally the number of the, the length of hashtags are going to be increasing. I bet 
Um, I don't literally have data on that, but I'm imagining that like over time, if those words that you're using are taken up and you want to create a new hashtag, you have to create longer and longer hashtags. Thus, the and the hashtags get into the caption. Thus, you have longer Captions. Also, the number one thing that I actually recommend all creators and influencers do, um, if they haven't done it yet, is and, and this is something that I do know a lot of creators and influencers are learning after a year, two years into the posting of, of content, is that you should have parts of your uh, caption that are uh, the sort of same, even though the caption is sort of a, 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 a take on the picture saying a, something about the picture or adding context, adding details. Uh, there's a, a bottom section of the caption, which you should put your sort of other things that are happening in your life or like uh, mentions to do something or, or like updates or um, another thing to, to add. So, so keep something consistent in the captions and that thing once you create it, that's going to be 10, 20, 30, 40 words. Plus something that I don't see very often, but I do absolutely know should be increasing soon is, is extremely targeted hashtags that are, are organizing your own content. So use hashtags, but add your name, like underscore your username at the end of that hashtag. Then anytime you use that, people can go and see those photos and they're all, they're all organized for, for a user or a viewer. Um, that kind of action will increase captions by say uh, 15, 20 to like a hundred characters. So if, if people start adopting that, then like we'll get a huge increase of um, – a big increase in the average number of characters in a caption. There is a lot of opportunities in captions. I've talked about this over the last couple of years when I've been helping Instagram influencers like gain a following. There is a lot of real estate in um, in uh, captions that goes absolutely 100% un use so that's a huge opportunity for anyone in this space to either be aiding influencers and creating easier better captions um but like also extending those captions and there's some great examples in this report of, of people who are doing some great 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 writing and also this speaks very much to the origins of influencers in the last five to ten years those are bloggers bloggers are literally the ones who adopted the word influencer because like blogger had taken on such a negative connotation um or like a small connotation whereas now influencer then like five years ago had some positive um connotation and, and had some like you had some impact on the people who are right who are reading you so a lot of influencers now come from blogging so they're writers um so their captions are fantastic their captions are where they're like making some great 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 like uh not progress but great um impact on their audiences because they're they're writers so write um number three uh engagement rates are higher on posts with longer captions Again, this should be uh, pretty simply connected to the more hashtags. Um, if if th this is this, they don't say this in the report. But if you have more hashtags, you have a higher engagement rate. So, and if you have more hashtags, your caption is longer. So, um, I, I'm I'm wondering why they don't say that. And it says like for brands, a higher engagement rate is a good indicator of a great partnership that will yield good returns. Yes and no. I think it is a a, a hybrid of engagement rate and reach. Um, if you're treating sort of likes as uh, read receipts and comments as like 
big uh, impact on the audience. I, I don't think like you're doing sort of it justice. Um, so there, there's a lot of, of, of more to explore here, but I think it analysis of like who's a great indicator of a great partnership is, is much, much more. And, and I'm, it's funny that they would say that a higher engagement rate is a good indicator of a great partnership because it, it could or it cannot, it's a, it's a mixed bag. Um, number four, it's not just about an influencer's aesthetic anymore. And this goes, I, I mentioned this sort of already. They, they say that image content, per, they, they actually have this great graph, um, that shows the image content and then the percentage engagement percentage. And on one side on the left is sort of the higher engagement percentage. And on the right is the lower engagement percentage on the left is like topics like beauty, selfie, um, even parenting. And on the right are like the lower engagement rates. And it's like the sun an ocean, a bag. It's like these things, right? P obviously people are more interesting and we react to faces. Um, and so they like sort of just say like, oh, we've learned that parenting plants and selfie posts achieve the, the highest engagement rate. Um, and shoes apparently get the lowest <laughs> or, or sun, shoes, bags, things. Um, so, but but I don't think this necessarily says that like you should be partnering with people people who take, only take selfies, uh, because there's there's the human element here, the human psychology, basic human psychology that we respond more to faces. That is just a fact. And so I would like to see sort of more data here and say like, is does is is this actually different different than normal human behavior. Like, are these photos actually more engaging? Because um, beauty is faces, selfies are faces. Um, then I also want to mention that th they make this seem as though this is very like black and white, like, oh, here's the lower engagement and this is the higher engagement content. But when you look at the graph and like, you see the, the like, the max, I'm going to take parenting out of it because it's like, a, little, a line that's way, way high. It's because it's like parenting as babies, which are super cute. And everybody is, is incredibly supportive of parents and, and parenting and babies and kids. Like your engagement percentage is noticeably higher, but it's like way higher than literally everything else. That's it's over 10%. Whereas literally the next highest is, is under 8%. But, but let me like share with you sort of, on one side is the high is like around, it looks like around 7%. And the low is around 3%, which sounds big. It sounds like a half, right? But it's not that big of a difference. Like, again, this graph makes it look like it's a huge difference, like double. But you look at like, what's the maximum, 100% or like, I don't know, 20, 40, 50%. And it's like barely different. If you if you if the graph showed sort of from ten uh, above ten percent, like showed like twenty thirty percent as the high, then the difference between the highest and the low is much 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 smaller. And I think that to me um, says that that says something to me that the content is not necessarily like conducive to. It might help you. It might be an optimization to not take photos of, of shoes, but it also doesn't necessarily necessitate that you only do partnerships with people who don't do shoes. Because if, if you are a shoe manufacturer, you better have those shoes in, in a shot. Um, and you sort of just say, okay, we're going to get half of, um, half of the engagement rate. 
so this is a mixed <laughs> mixed signals for me. Um, chapter two. Uh, oh no. Um, this is uh, influencers are using more hashtags. Yeah. So so this. This graph explains exactly like why captions are longer, and I don't know why they didn't put these two together because they're like in the same report. Um, really, really interesting that three years ago, um, in the hashtags it was about two to three on average, and now it's like seven to eight. Like big, big difference. Like more people are using more hashtags, and the here's where I think the the, the why. Two reasons. One, over four years or three years or two years, someone has been doing influencer marketing, they probably have saved hashtags. Like they probably – because having hashtags or knowing hashtags is a cumulative thing. You, you see more and more and more and more. So you gather more and more and more and so you use them more and more and more. Um and I think we have the tools we have, I have at least on my phone, like a ton of apps that like help me save and help me discover new uh, hashtags. I have had a database of, of hashtags myself uh, when I was doing creator growth lab, like there's big databases out there that you can find much easier hashtags. So four years ago, these things did not exist. And I think that's one of the biggest indicators why there's such a big leap is the, the discovery of hashtags is much, much easier. And it's also cumulative. So those two things combined, I think, have the exponential. That's why we see eight, on average, eight hashtags used versus two uh, four years ago. Um, there, and then their claim that here's, a, here's an interesting claim that influencer posts with hashtags get more engagement. This, I will say, is a huge uh, weirdness here because their graph um, – doesn't show this. Um, their graph actually shows that almost zero to two is almost the same amount as having 10 plus hashtags. So, so the graph shows from zero to two, two to five, five to 10, 10 to 15, 10 plus. And it sort of dips in the middle, but then goes up at the end, but it also is up at the beginning. So it shows me that like, Content. So, so this is this hark, harkens back to a test I did a couple of years ago with someone who literally I had a client who was helping grow their account Instagram account, and we wanted to figure out which hashtags to use because I in my personal uh, data and and usage was seeing that hashtags were working, but this client of mine literally used zero hashtags, and we um, figured out like okay, here's the hashtags we want to test. Um, we want to add these to your post. We we went and saw each post, looked at it, and then like figured out which hashtags to use, and then told her, "Okay, do this." And we did we did a test. We had a control group. We did this three weeks in a row. Um, in the first and third week, actually, we did I think like six weeks in a row. Every other week, we didn't do any hashtags to to see all within the same time, so we could say, "Okay, here's all the posts with no hashtags, and here's all the posts with hashtags." We, we added the hashtag. She didn't do it herself. She didn't cherry pick. We did one full week of hashtags and one full week, no hashtags, one full week of hashtags and no hashtags, etc. Looked at the data afterwards, compiled everything up and said, okay, on average, how, what was the engagement rate of your hashtag post? Because uh, theoretically, they should go up, right? Theoretically, your hashtags are allowing people who like that kind of content, the hashtag 
name to find your content and like it, subscribe it, and be, be more of a better a, a follower of yours because they like that stuff. That's the idea, right? So hypothetically, hashtagged content should be in have a better reach and get higher engagement. So we did a test and we looked at the numbers afterwards and we found out that the content, the posts with hashtags performed, uh, got negative 1% of engagement. So essentially they got less engagement than non-hashtag posts. Two things, this is probably within the error, uh, the range of error, um, but it also tells me that like, Perhaps hashtags don't help. Um, what we were seeing, and, and then I went back to my earlier data and I figured out what was going on. For very small accounts, for accounts that are just starting, hashtags have an outsized impact. They have a huge impact because the percentage of people who know you versus don't know you is, is way off the ratio. Like More people don't know you than know you. Um, you need to get discovered somehow, some way, and hashtags are a great tool for that. That's what we discovered. So as you grow, you should be using less and less hashtags. But again, I actually recommend people now use hashtags in a very greedy way um, so that you change out your sort of hashtag love, hashtag uh, obsessed, hashtag blessed. You change those out with with hashtags that are curating or, or collecting content of yours. And I think that will be a, a institute a whole new era of Instagram and, and help people sort of discover more content of yours and, and be better um be better followers of yours um thanks so much for listening so so much i'm gonna go through a couple more but like really start wrapping up here um because this is really a, a thing i'm only halfway through the the um thing and i have a lot of critiques but uh i really really want you to like experience this report for yourself and really understand um that this is this report overall is is helping people um, do better. Like this one, this is a great great one that they figured out what times um, you should be posting. But the takeaway is is really keen and key key here that um, you really should not be looking at global numbers. They actually say this in the in the report. They're like, hey, later has a great tool that you can find out what what times work best for you that's when you should post not at a global maximum but at a local maximum what your best time to post is <coughs> sorry so that was a really cool takeaway i really 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 give them credit for doing that um choosing between nano micro or macro um they didn't have a graph in this part that was and weird i would love to have seen a graph so um the they ape here that micro-influencers deliver higher engagement results. This is very, very, very um, misleading because the basic idea of people who have less than 25,000 followers is that there is a l much higher percentage of followers that actually fit, like physically know those people. Um, and I would have have a big hard time saying that anyone with less than a thousand followers is an influencer because the global average of, of um, an Instagram account is like around a thousand. Every single person in the world knows a thousand people. Um, so this, I, I'm, I always find this problematic when people say that uh, uh, 
there's a higher engagement rate for, for less people and they, and they you should go for micro-influencers. That's not necessarily the case because the amount of work and time it takes to do micro-influencers or brand ambassadors and sign these people on and do custom programs and do campaigns, um, literally uh, the other part of this chart shows that our, the engagement rate really doesn't go down so, 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 so much as people gain followers you're looking at between like two and three percent like it's sort of the global average sort of is around three percent when you're lower and then up to one million plus it's around two percent this holds true and this actually makes it more um it makes a more impact on me that engagement rate doesn't really matter that everybody get you'll have your own and you should actually benchmark against sort of people in your industry um looking at this global average also, I have to sort of call out for for a good thing. They don't work with people, or at least they said this a year or two ago. They said they don't work with anyone with less than three percent engagement rate, and that's fantastic because you only want to work with above average creators. You don't want to be working with average creators. So look at this average as a baseline, um, and that's what Four is doing. At least they said that. At least they they show this here. Very 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 cool. But again, big 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 missed uh, read here that like. Deal, yeah, deal with whatever uh, size creator you want because the engagement rate doesn't really matter. It's very, very much the same. Um, yeah, um, there is one more thing here that I want to point out and do a little bit of calculations for you. And this is my final sort of wrap up. I know we're going really long here. This is really fun. Um, and, and feel free to email me back or comment on this post or this email. I think there's like a common thing on the bottom um, or email me back and, and let me know, you know, if you disagree with me, if you disagree with the report or if you agree with the report and you have had a, you have had a success with micro influencers, maybe you've done something very well um, based on their knowledge and, and the amount of what the data is telling you here. So the last thing I want to point out here is that the percentage of Instagram feeds sponsored. This is a really cool graph that shows as people's uh, uh, subscribers or followers goes up, um, the percentage of sponsored posts they do sort of goes up until you get around the 100 to 200,000 followers, and then it drops down a little. So if, if there was a trend line here, it would, it would absolutely be up and to the right, meaning as you grow, as you have more subscribers, uh, you do more percentage of sponsored content. Here's two takeaways that I get from this chart. Why there's a decrease of percentage as you get much, much higher and why it goes up. I mean, obviously the idea is that as it goes up, you have more brands coming to you. But also if you remember, there was a graph that said uh, the number of, as you go larger in following size, you also go higher increase in posts. And what I see here is that there is a huge line between sort of the 100 and 200,000 range. And those under it are, for the lack of a better word, part-timers. But those with over 100,000, 200,000, 250, you're getting to a point where, A, either you're a celebrity and, and Instagram is a large part of your 
culture or whatever you do. Or if, if Instagram is the only thing you do, now you're at a point where this could be a full-time job for at least one person. And you're getting to the point where you could probably pay a couple other people to help you out. Or your repair. You have two or three channels that are getting this because a lot of people are growing rapidly with groups. Couples grow rapid more rapidly mm-hmm. than normal individuals. Groups of people grow uh, much more rapidly uh, than individuals. So what's interesting here? What tells me what what something I, I did a little bit of back uh, of, of I did a little bit of math here, and I said okay. So if your average number of posts goes up and the percentage of sponsored posts goes up a little bit, that tells me that your amount of revenue you're making is really like going up a lot. Huge difference between smaller creators and larger creators. So much so here's here's sort of what I got to is like a smaller creator could be doing around six sponsored posts a year. Whereas a larger creator over 200,000 followers could be doing around 33. And if you add on top of that, that you can gain more money from doing large, having more subscribers, you're speaking of like $24,000 difference or more between even like someone with less than 25,000 subscriber uh, followers to someone who has over a hundred thousand. Like, like this is the difference. $24,000 seems to be, that's just the difference. If you're making, you know, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars with, with less than a hundred thousand followers with more, you could be making more like 30 to $40,000 a year and be a full timer at this. That was really interesting to sort of combine all those graphs and see that number, see that really the, the percentage of posts you do plus the rate that you get, plus the number of posts you do in total, all of this, we could get some really deep insights of like, how much money people are making and, and, and that those numbers hold true. Um, you're seeing that people who are over 200, 100 to 200,000 followers are making full-time living. They're quitting their jobs and they're able to command higher prices and, and do this full-time and create their own brands. Also, this is where I get the, the insight of, or at least the idea, the theory of why does a percentage of sponsored content go down as people go from, 100,000 followers to over 600,000 followers. And my theory is that they have now done this full-time. They're doing this full-time for a little bit, and they realize there's other revenue streams other than sponsored content. And that's a great thing for influencer marketing because if there's other revenue sources, then influencers have full-time jobs. More influencers can do it. You have a higher quality because they have devote more time to it, and they're pickier. So brands aren't able to command influencers as they did before and sort of the tables turn influencers can be more picky meaning better quality content better matchups better partnerships brands have to be more creative with how do they interact and and relate with influencers and so this showed me that there is a huge amount of hope in the next year or two of a very creative campaigns and i'm really really excited about um, the next couple of years and, and seeing some fantastic campaigns I've already seen in 2020. If you haven't checked it out already, um, I released on Friday to the newsletter uh, Influence 100, the 100 most influential people in, in influencer marketing. You probably, if you're listening to this all the way through, you probably got got it already. But if just for the sheer chance that you didn't, I would highly recommend going and checking out Influence 100. Um, it's in the newsletter. Go check it out. Um, 
Thanks so much for sticking around with this this sort of critique of these reports. Um, hope to do this more. Would love to hear if you agree with me on any points, if you disagree with me on any points. And if you want to know more, um, if you want to know less, tell me that too. I'm happy to do a quicker rundown of other reports as they come out week to week. Thanks so much for listening to Influence Weekly, the audio version. Have a great one. Bye.